Hey guys, Chris Evans here from Traffic and Phones, and I wanted to tell you about our newest book, The Consultant's Next Door. People are raving about this book. Inside this book are strategies we used to start and scale our business, which were widely known about uh, across the internet, Traffic and Funnels, to over seven figures per month. Yes, that is a million dollars, over a million dollars per month. Uh, In this book, we cover everything from selecting the right business model, creating an irresistible offer, how to market that offer, sales, leadership, mindset, and long-term growth. So if you're ready to stop trading dollars for hours and start working whenever, wherever, and however you want, then go ahead and pick up a copy of this book. And as a listener of this podcast, you can grab your copy for free by heading over to trafficandfunnels.com slash free book. That is trafficandfunnels.com slash free book. Just pay a small shipping and handling fee, and we will get that into the mail for you. All right, back to the show. You're listening to the Traffic and Funnels Show. Taylor is the co-founder of Traffic and Funnels, uh, Wealth Cap Holdings, and he's the CEO of The Sales Mentor. He helps build clients' online digital marketing systems and drive paid traffic to them. Now listen to this. You're not going to believe this. Taylor built his company from zero to seven figures in only 10 months. And today he's helping business leaders all over the world experience success without wasting failures, frustrating lead hunting headaches and massive money-draining mistakes. Here today to talk to us about sales, one of the most popular speakers from our Rise Up Challenge. Welcome, Taylor. Taylor's in the house. Give him some love. How are you My today, My goodness, nobody does it like you, Pat. Nobody. <laughs> I'm I need the recording. That here. Super excited uh, that you're here. How are things going? They're going good. We are growing. We, uh, we're busting out of these offices here in Nashville and got a team in Charlotte just living the good life once you learn once you learn the basics of the game it's it's the funnest thing in the world it is so walk us through the basics here uh for people who are watching this is the 100 most engaged people from the rise up challenge we had over 100,000 people participate in the rise up challenge we've tracked their engagement we tracked their assignments when you were on you probably gave an assignment we tracked who did it and who didn't do it. These are the 100 people who were like all in for engagement. So if you tell them to do something, they're going to do something. What should they do? Uh, I'm assuming that that they got to go through the reflex sales system. Um, And I mean, we could go deeper into that. We could go through the process. Um, It's kind of up to you. How deep you want me to go if we have questions on this call? Yeah, we got some questions that were submitted, but why don't you take 10 or 15 minutes and walk us through the system and the basics so that everybody can be on board with us. Amazing. So I got into sales because uh, my wife wanted me to help her get more clients. So I, uh, I married a hairstylist. We moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and I worked at a church, believe it or not, and I didn't know anything about sales. I, did, I knew nothing about money. I knew nothing about business. I didn't know entrepreneurship. My wife was the sugar mama of the house. She's the one that, uh, you know, she took care of Christmas and holidays. I worked on a pastor's salary. Hello. I w- we were, we were budget masters. 
And uh, I started learning the game of sales because she wanted help with her salon. She wanted to grow her salon. And um, I'll tell you what, the first, uh, if somebody says Pastor Welch, thank you. Yes, yeah, still a pa once a pastor, always a pastor. Um, I started learning how to communicate with people in a way that would compel them to some sort of action. And I remember sitting at, on the beach in Orange Beach, Alabama, and I started reading about sales and copywriting and marketing and got back home and we started testing things and trying things. And it was so embarrassing the first couple of times I got onto a, a phone call with somebody because I didn't know, I stuttered, I wasn't good at sales. I didn't know how to, how to put sentences together. I, I didn't know how to do objection handling. There's all these nuances people train today. And let me just tell you that you don't have to be good at any of them because I'm here, to, I made it, right? I'm, I'm, I made it through. And uh, my first sale ever was uh, somebody who had to actually, you know, fast forward through, I was, I was, I helped my wife with her hair salon and I was now trying to help other people with their marketing. And my first real client is a guy named Gary and he had to teach me at the very end of the call how to take money. I didn't know how to take money. I didn't know how to, I didn't have a PayPal account. I didn't have a, a strat. I didn't know you could take credit cards over the phone. This is how green I was. So you guys are, the good news is if you want some encouragement, you're probably, everybody on here is already ahead of me where I started. Uh, you already know more than I knew when I got started. You already have more skills than I did when I got started. And Gary showed me how to set up a PayPal account. Everybody, you got to be thankful for these people who are not going to make fun of you. He just walked me through it. I charged him $400 um, to do a, a whole slew of work and activities. And over the four or five years that followed, I got in deep into mastering the psychology of salesmanship. And what I teach today is, you know, really mastering, you, you can write this down even because this is the season we're in as, as uh, the world economy kind of contracts and expands and you, we go through cycles, but we are in the era of really of anti-salesmanship right now. Uh, I can see some videos, but I'm just going to take a, a quick poll. Raise your hand if you love to be hard salt. No hands going Not up. a lot of hands up on that Weird. One. Weird. I figured certainly a couple. Uh, raise your hand if you love buying something that you didn't really want, but they just convinced you to do it. No, not. we typically don't like to be sold to. And that's the stigma. That's, that's why it's, if you've ever struggled with sales, it's, it's, there's all of these beliefs about salesmanship. Sky, you don't want to do that to other people. Picture the, the used car salesman you know, showing up and it's like, is that person honest? Uh, no, they don't really, you don't think they're honest. And I had this stigma when I was starting as well. Um, somebody says, as a salesman, I love being sold. Well, you know, you understand the rules. You understand the only way to help some, you're cheating. All right. <laughs> Whoever said that, just they're cheating. But most of us are like, like I was when I got started. And I just felt uncomfortable. I felt like I was asking somebody to do something that they didn't want to. And there was this pressure and tension and it just like felt gross. And so I'm going to take you through a couple points. Just if, if you would like me to talk you through how we open up, handle the middle and close the sales call, let me know. Nod your head, a quick nod. Yes. Somebody's awesome. standing up shouting hallelujah. I can see him doing a happy dance. <laughs> um, that takes the pressure off of you. You know, you're able to serve. You can only really serve people to the highest level, if they're willing to engage, not just with their minds, but with their money. 
Okay. And so I want everybody to just kind of put themselves into this mental framework of, I am a doctor. I am a doctor. And I'll take you through this, this script really quickly. And then we'll handle some nuances and Pat, just keep me, keep me on the straight and narrow on time and everything. Yep, we're good. We're good. So when you go into a doctor's office and let's say something is, is hurting. You know, so you've got something that's hurting in your, in your arm. Uh, and you go in and, and imagine going into the doctor's office and they, they don't ask you any questions. They don't, they don't find out what's going on. They just try to get you to start taking meds. It could be like, a little, this is, this is weird. This person is, is prescribing before diagnosing. That's, that's a mistake that people make is they feel like the goal of the sales call is to prescribe, but really the, the goal of the sales call is, is diagnosis. So what you all need to become is diagnosis professionals. I am a professional diagnostic practitioner. Whatever market you're in, maybe you help people with their, with their uh, relationships, you help people with weight loss, maybe you help people become better leaders, or you know, maybe you help people conceive children, maybe you help people, you, know, you help people make more money. Whatever it is that you do, you always gotta know that going into a conversation, here's how to decrease the pressure, I am simply going to diagnose to the best of my ability what this prospect needs. I'm not connected to the sale. I'm not connected to the outcome. Whether this person buys from me or doesn't buy from me, it's not really my responsibility. You can go into a doc's office with a broken arm and they can say, here's what you need to do to fix it. And if you're like, no way, I enjoy the broken arm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do nothing. That doctor's like, okay, it's, it's on you. You know, after you do diagnosis and you prescribe, that, that's on you. So here's how we like to open up the, uh, the sales calls. And by the way, anytime that this is helpful, anytime you get a move, anytime you want to do a praise break, just throw a, a chat in there and uh, it'll make Pat feel really good. And maybe I'll read the comments later. Um, how many of you have heard that the first thing you got to do is build rapport on the sales call? Everybody's teaching it. You know, we're, we, we just partnered with a, a very, very, very large company to help their team build out their sales force. And one of the things I noticed is that there's, there's so much time that they are spending at the beginning of the call trying to see if they, if they like went to the same high school as the prospect. It's like, that's, I don't think that if you're selecting a neurosurgeon and you've got the best neurosurgeon in the world, but you say no, because they didn't go to your alma mater, there's, there's you got some things to think about in your life. People make, here's my definition of rapport. Do they believe that I am qualified to fix the problem? Do they believe that I am qualified to fix the problem? I went to high school in a place called Nixon, Missouri. It's like you're driving through Missouri and there's like a little, is that where hope went from? It's like you're driving through Missouri, there's like a, a, a little farm with some cows and that's Nixa, basically. Small town and uh, nobody's ever bought from me because I grew up in Nixa or went to Nixa High School. Nobody. It just is not the way that it works. So what we like to do at the beginning is short rapport. All right, Pat answers the phone. Hey, is this Pat Quinn? This is Taylor Welch. How are you today? How's the weather? Where are you from? That's awesome. Are you ready to dive in? You are? First question. What's broken in your business 
that made you sign up for today's call? Notice how quick. There's, the rapport is coming because I'm diving right in. Now, I'm going to get to know Pat through the, through the course of the call. But one thing that will hurt your sales is three-hour phone conversations with people. Three-hour consults. Three hours. You won't have time to get anything done. And what I've noticed is that first question that you really ask somebody sets the trajectory for the rest of the call. And so you want to make sure that that question is precise, accurate. Uh, Pat, what is it that's broken inside of your process? What is it that, what do you not like about your, your speaking business that you want to talk about today? Notice that it is slanted towards the problem. Okay. Slanted towards the problem. You always want to start with the problem. You want to start with the problem. Throw that in the chat. You want to start with the problem. You want to start with the, what's hurting? Where is it hurting? You go into the doctor's office. What's hurting? Show me where. And then what's the doctor? They poke on it. Does this hurt more? Poke on the other side. They are starting with the problem and we reverse engineer the solution by, by diagnosing the problem. This good? Awesome. You guys staying with me? Okay, good, good, good. After, after we ask about the problem, the next step, and I, I'm going to give you a bullet point list for you to, to list out after we go through this. You want to understand the problem. So bullet one, short rapport. Bullet two, start with the problem. Bullet three, understand the problem. And you, you talk to Pete or, or Pat, and there's a difference between them understanding that I don't like my current exposure and then understanding everything that I've done to fix it. That's the doctor's next step. Where does it hurt? Okay. What did you do yesterday? What have you done to try to fix it on your own? See, there's another layer here. First, you need to just first identify the problem. And then you go a step deeper, understand the problem. So for us in our business, one of our companies is, uh, you know, a real estate company. And we want to know, typically when someone's investing in real estate, they're investing in real estate because they have a particular outcome or they don't like what, they don't want to do their job until they're 95 years old. So what, what is it about your current investment strategy that you haven't been able to figure out? Okay. How many properties have you tried to invest in? What's your investing background? You see, same thing on the traffic and funnel side. You know, what's broken in your business that you would like us to talk about today? Okay, what have you done to try to fix this? And you want to understand the mechanics of the problem, okay? After you get through this, you want to understand the target. Here's what's different about a doctor versus a business. Typically, when you go to a doctor, the target is pretty self-explanatory, right? If your arm's broken, you just want it to not be broken anymore. That's, it's, you can kind of figure it out. They, if somebody's sick, they just want to not be sick. They want to get back to normal. But in business, in the context of consulting or coaching or whatever it is that you do, it's very important that you understand the target because a person's target might be different than what you think it is. I can't tell you how many sales my teams have lost because they assumed they knew the target. And they started prescribing how to get to the target they thought, but the prospect had a totally different target. They thought that the target for this person was to make, you know, $8 million a year. And they were like, no, I just, I want to make six figures and be able to have vacations with my family. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss a moment. And so if you don't understand the target, you'll end up solving the wrong, the wrong problem. Make sense. 
Good. Here's the next bullet point. Understand the obstacle. And when we're done, it's gonna blow your mind because we're building a picture here. We're gonna build a picture. Understand the obstacle. We're taking people through a certain order, a certain flow that is really positioning you to be able to properly diagnose. So start with the rapport, start with the problem, understand the problem, understand the target, and then understand the obstacle. Here's what that sounds like. I'm gonna give you a perfect example. So I know Pat wants to build a speaking business. He's horrible at speaking. He can't speak, he can't get stages. He needs advance your reach, all right? I'm the guy that's gonna help him. What's your target, Pat? Oh, he wants to be booked two times a month. He wants to make X amount of money. Great. Tell me this, Pat. What is keeping you from achieving that on your own? The on your own sticks it to him, doesn't it? It does. It does because it frames up the obstacle as likely being a, you know, there's, there's two types of obstacles. There's like, when you get something like you get a new iPhone or you get something brand, there's user error. And what this does is it frames up the idea that likely the results that aren't showing up in your life, they're probably user error. And that comes down to responsibility, right? You gotta be able to take responsibility for why Pat is not where Pat wants to be. Obviously, he knows that Pat's obviously ahead of all of us in this, so I can make fun of him a little bit. Um, but listen, tell me, Pat, what, what is keeping you from hitting this destination on your own? Talk to me about this. And he's going to begin to speak. And all you want to do is you just want to stay out of his way. You want to put yourself on mute. Let the person talk. Let the person begin to share with you why they have not achieved what their target is by themselves. And then the last step is prescribe the solution. Thank you, Pete, or thank you, Pat, for sharing this with me. One of, the th one of the questions we put in the very end, which I'll just share this as a bonus, this isn't in my notes, is thank you, Pat, for sharing this with me. Is there anything else that you feel like I need to know? It's a very profound question because it just sucks you out of the sales frame as well. Is there anything else that you feel like I need to know? You're in the position of the doctor. Your job is to diagnose and then prescribe. The final step is to prescribe your solution. Well, Pat, it really seems like I can help you. Would you like for me to share a little bit about what it is that, that we do? And what's he gonna say? Yes. Yes. Question, pop quiz. When he says yes, yes, Taylor, please share with me what it is that you do. Am I selling by sharing with him what it is that I do? You don't have to, he asked for it. He, had, he basically forced me to tell him what it is that I do. There's no pressure. There's no, there's no big pitches. There's no, like, I don't have to have him, him buy, but I'm just going to explain to him very quickly what it is that I do. And then I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to let him process. Okay. All right. So that's the flow of, of our conversations. Uh, Pat, how are we on time? We good? We're good. We're good. Um, at the end of this, one of the biggest mistakes, if I can share with you just a couple mistakes that I see people making, it might not be interesting to you, but we've trained probably close to 100,000 salespeople. Would you like me to tell you some of the mistakes to see them make over and over and over that you can just avoid? Okay. Here's one of the, one of the mistakes that I see. They just talk too much. They talk too much. So 
literally numero uno. This is probably the number one mistake people make is they just won't be quiet. When I get to the end, I'm like, here's what I do. Somebody says they don't have a PayPal account. <laughs> that's yes. the first, you forgot that mistake, Taylor. That was the that's, first that's, one. Have a way to make money. Have, a, have an offer. Maybe that's the first one. But they just talk too much. You know, they get to the end and, you know, I'll never forget the first time I really learned the power of letting someone process, you know, telling them what they do and, or what I can do to help them. And they're like, you know, uh, you know how much is it? I'm like, it's $10,000. Quiet. No framing, no context, just telling them what the price is. And they, they're like, I don't know, man, oh, it's a lot. But I, I know I need it. This is too much, man. Uh, do you take Amex? And it's like, wow. You know, a lot of times what happens is people are thinking. They're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking. And you want to make sure that you don't just provide cover for them to create objections. You want to stay out of their way a little bit so that they can just reconcile where they're at. And we can go into nuances and, and a thousand things. A lot of this is in the reflex selling system. Another mistake that I see is people answer objections instead of answering questions. So this is not a question. Pat, that's just a lot of money. That's not a question. So somebody on my team is likely not going to say anything to that because they didn't ask a question. How counterintuitive. Well, so if somebody says to you, that's a lot of money, you should just be quiet? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should I nod? If you're on a video call, you, yeah. you can. Yeah. This is where this is where the this is where our training gets really counterintuitive because what we're trained to do is to say, well, you know, it's got all of these videos and it's really, really helpful. And you go into you slip right into sales mode, which brings a person's walls up. But when you allow someone to just wrestle through what they're doing, now if they ask if they ask a question, then you can deal with that. Do you have payment plans? Well, that's not an objection. That's a question. You know, have you ever had anybody invest and they haven't made their money back? That's a question. You can answer that. But we stick very, very closely to this idea that we answer questions. We don't answer objections because if you follow the script correctly, a lot of the objections are actually going to be dealt with in the first 20 minutes. They're going to be dealt with at minute 25. They're going to be dealt with at the beginning. What is it that's keeping you from achieving this on your own? Well, I just don't have any money. Well, we're going to fix that then. You know, we're, I'm going to deal with that objection right then because that's an objection that's going, to, that's going to eventually show up at the end if I don't deal with it. Make sense? Very much so. Uh, one other mistake, and then we'll go into some Q&A. This is something that I see all the time. It's one of my favorite things to fix. My favorite things to fix because it's so hard for people is, have you ever been in a conversation and it's like, you barely finish the conversation and they're chomping at the bit, just talking. And it's like, they think they know what you're going to say, but they don't. It's just like this wrestle of like, you know, Pat says, how are you? I'm good, Pat. <laughs> oh, how's your guys doing? Good. It was a good day. It's just like, they're so intense. I salespeople do this all the time because they have all this energy. It's like nervous energy that's built up. We almost, we're mandatory about this. We put about a two second delay between the end of a person's sentence in our sales agent's ability to speak. Because what it shows 
is that there's some settle, there's some patience. It's a little bit of a delay that shows that we're, we're plugged in, we're present. When you have a really good conversation, you go to coffee with someone, a lot of times there's nonverbal communication that's happening. And so there's not an instant speaker one, speaker two, speaker one, speaker two, speaker one. There's, there's some cadence and there's some pause. Somebody says patience shows up as confidence. 1,000%. Absolutely. When you are calm, you've got some patience, you have a little bit of a pause in between. It shows that you're thinking and you got to hang on to this, especially when you're on the phone and you can't see somebody. That's when the nervous energy comes up. So, all right. Um, so Pat, where do you want me to go delay after the customer speaks before you speak? That's it. Just demonstrated it for you just now. Awesome. <laughs> we had some questions submitted ahead of time by our top 100 participants in the rise up challenge. Um, and the first one is about testing an offer. What are some ways that you suggest test and validate offers? Is that part of what you do? Absolutely. We have this saying inside of our, some of our circles, validate before you automate, validate before you automate. So that's how we started our business is we got on the phone with people and uh, you know, Pat's a master at selling from the stage and I invested into advance your reach to learn how to sell from the stage. But my specialty is selling on the phone. And so we got on the phone with people and we just said, what do you need? What can I help you with? And we would put together the offer. We would tune that offer based on what they said. And it's actually funny because the first three clients we took, you know, the first person was a photographer. I said, you know, we specialize in helping photographers grow their business. The, the second client, uh, this, is, this may be out of you know, ethical boundaries, I don't know. This was a long time ago. But the second person was a marriage coach. I said, you know, we specialize in helping people with their marriages and consulting their marriage. And the third person, you know, she was a marketer. We specialized. And it, it wasn't that I was like changing everything, but I was tuning and customizing the offer as we went. And what it taught me is even today, we'll customize the sale. We'll customize the sale at the end because not everybody needs every component of what it is that you do. Some people might need 25%. Sell them that. Don't sell them 100% because there's nothing worse than buying something that you don't need. And people don't want to do that. It doesn't matter how good your program is. If they need 30% of it, but they think they're overpaying because they don't need the 70%, you'll lose the sale. You want to be careful of that. Make sense? Makes perfect sense. What are your thoughts on this? Another submitted question ahead of time by one of our top 100 participants. What are your opinions on a guarantee? How long should a guarantee last? Uh, what's, what's the role of guarantees in all this? Guarantees came from direct response marketing as risk reversal. Um, so, you know, this was actually came up in the fifties and the forties and the sixties. Like this is old risk reversal is very, very old. The problem with this kind of risk reversal is if you can't guarantee the effort of the participant, then you cannot guarantee the end result of the program. So you have a lot of coaches and consultants that if you sell coaching, you require the engagement of the other party. So what we started doing is, you know, people would ask for a guarantee and we did all sorts of reframes. It would be like, you know, if you, if you can guarantee your work ethic, then yes, we'll do a guarantee of like this weird stuff. But what we ended up doing is reframing this. You know, Pat comes and he wants to build a stage, uh, you know, a speaking business. And I would reframe this to like, let me ask you a question. I'll, I'll answer your question with another question. 
based on what you've been doing, what are the chances of just magically overnight something aligns in the heavens and you figure it out and you get progress? Scale of one to 10. They're gonna be like, well, it's like a, a four you know, or five. Okay. And what do you think the chances are of if you get involved in the mentorship of someone who has a thousand case studies or a hundred case studies, they know everything inside and out and they come in and teach you exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. What do you think your chances are then? You say eight out of 10. Let's say, well, here's the problem. You're to make a successful decision here. You need to compare your odds. Nothing in life is hundred percent. Please name one other area of your life that is 100,000% guaranteed. I will wait. There isn't anything. But what you have to do if you're gonna move forward in life is you have to learn to compare the odds. Do I want a 40% chance of failure or a 10% chance of failure? Pick the better odds. And that question will go away. Nice, nice. What should you do when somebody says, I can't afford this? If it's at the end of the call, it means you missed an opportunity to get this information at the, at the beginning. Okay. I'll answer that question. But first, what I'll say is that oftentimes we'll find out a person's means early on. And the, the way that it sounds is very nonchalant. It's very natural. It's like, Hey, Pat, remember my goal here is just to help you make the best decision. That's all my goal is. I want to help you diagnose and help you make the best decision with that in mind. If you're on food stamps, telling you to buy a coaching program is bad. It's the wrong decision. Where, how are you paying for things right now? Like, are you in a place where you can invest into to ads or invest in this? Like my job is to really get the information. And then with that information, I may tell you at the end, Hey, just buy a book. Don't, don't invest in coaching. Like, where are you at? And so we'll figure out that information early on because we don't want to pitch someone at the very end. If they're, you know, a single parent and they have four kids, they live in, you want to be cognizant of that. But if you get to the end and, and somebody says they don't have a lot of money, is that a question or an objection? That is not a question. There's a period at the end of it. I cannot afford this right now. My response would be this. This is a learned behavior, Taylor. Everybody wants you to talk right now. And they'll work themselves through it and they'll work themselves through it and they'll have their own dialogue with themselves. Maybe they'll talk it through or maybe they just sit there. If it goes too long, if it's like 30 seconds. I guess it's a little awkward, you know, so <laughs> still there? 30 seconds. We'll probably say something like that. Are you, are you still there, Pat? And they're like, yes. I'm like, cool. Just waiting on you. Let me know where you want to go from here. I am not going to respond to that objection when it's not even serving them in the first place. And what about the delay objection, which is, I will have to think about this. Um, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll coach them through it. So one of the nuances that I didn't have time to share is I don't want to sell products. I want to sell a way of thinking. I want to teach them how to think and the byproduct of thinking the right way uh, will will end up having them buy the product. And so, you know, you want to delay. You want to say, let me think about it. I'll say something like, you know, that that's totally, that that's your prerogative. Can I give you some coaching on how the people that you look up to make decisions in this particular instance? I'm going to get permission. He's going to say yes. I'm going to say the, the opposite of growth is not like decay. The opposite of growth is actually delay. 
because you're going to miss out on all of these opportunities and opportunity cost of delay in your life. If you track it back is crazy. And so how the people in your position make decisions is oftentimes they really will think it through and you sleep on it. You don't have to make a decision tonight. That's not what I'm saying. You can think on it, but get your gut, follow that gut, follow what you feel, follow what you know, because you may be in a position where you can't afford it, but you could be in a position where you're letting fear control your life. And I'll walk them through it that way and I'll give them some coaching on how to make it through. And, and if, you, if you want, Pat, I, we can customize some, some training to give to the crew, but that's, that's how we handle it now. I love it. I love it. And you have helped immensely in these 30 minutes. Uh, and we're very thankful for that, Taylor. We want to respect your time. Uh, I think we have a link. Miranda has a link if people want to learn more uh, that she can drop into the, into the chat box. Do you have any final thoughts for uh, everybody before you take off today, Taylor? Uh, you guys are in great hands. Uh, Pat and Pete, I adore them. I trust them. Uh, so congratulations for being here. Being in the right room is more than half the battle. You guys are in the right room. So congrats to you. Any way I can help, you guys let me know. Super job. Give some love to Taylor in the chat and in your videos. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.